The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Well, hello. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson, I think. Oh, there he is. Here he comes to save the day. Uh, you know, that's a... The I hell know, was that, right? AJ? I was just giving you the introduction that you warranted. You were being fashionably late. I assumed you wanted the red carpet treatment. <laughs> red carpet treatment? <laughs> no, so... Special uh, guest, here, AJ Knight, here with us today. One of the best, too. AJ's incredible. I and We do a podcast together from the Bleachers. And Eric's we have, on it this week. And, and Eric is on it, actually, because we're talking baseball, and we had to get Eric's thoughts on... The Cubs and National League gave us some great insight. And then Ted Leitner, former voice of the Padres and current voice of the yeah, Aztecs. Uh, like history school. Yeah, what, just gave us an, a, an absolute gem of a history lesson in, in Padres baseball, which is awesome. But So here's why I'm late, though. I uh, The ringer. Donovan and, uh, Mitchell the, called me. <laughs> shut up. The ringmaster had to go Damn get it. some. What is your problem? Quick, call me the ringmaster. Treats. Would you stop this already? It's jinxy. It's jinxy. I don't know why it's so hard strikes, for you. Strikes fear in my Okay, heart. so anyways, anyways, <laughs> it strikes fear. <laughs> um, I'm just shaking Okay, my so boots. here's a no, shut up. Here's what I'm like. Um, I was listening to a podcast, Raja Bell and Logan Murdoch, uh, the former players in the NBA, uh. do a podcast on the Ringer. And they oh, had I Darren about this. And they had Darren Williams on. And it is, I mean, I got through like three minutes of it. And I was like, this is good. Like Darren's talking about how like the night that coach uh, quit. Coach Sloan quit because Darren gave Darren just pushed him over the edge. Um, they talked about when Jerry wanted to fight Jerry Stackhouse. Um, and dude, that was a funny story too. That's actually a really oh, good. I gotta one. go find that. You I've need heard, to go I've find seen it. a lot of people commenting. On oh how that was my a great gosh! I just nice. as all of a sudden I'm like, oh shoot, it's four one. Like AJ's there, we're fine. No, I need to go in right now. <laughs> I'll but, be 15 uh, minutes late. This podcast is too good. I got my own show, but yeah, it's crap. it really is worth it's it. Crap. It honestly is worth it. Go to the Ringer <laughs> and uh, Rasha Bell and, and Logan Murdoch sit down with Darren Williams for isn't like it, 45 minutes. Isn't it astonishing? Because uh, that was one of the topics we had in our podcast last week. Isn't it astonishing how far I feel like former athletes have come in terms of broadcasts? Like there were some along the way that were good, but I, I don't know about you guys, but like. Um, um, Sanders and Irvin, I cannot stand those guys. But like they've come a long way. Like uh, Matt Barnes has one his podcast. Is, oh yeah, uh, really good. Him and, and then JJ Reddick has one now. I haven't seen him. You know, JJ Reddick. I, I like Ryan trendy. Clark on ESPN. Of course, uh, JJ Reddick is a current player, which yeah. is really interesting. It's so good to get his. Oh my I saw, gosh! I just saw a clip of it today, and he was interviewing Zion. And while well, they were going back and forth talking about a specific type of play that they were doing and how Memphis just could not or would not stop them. Really? And they got 22 points off of that one play. They just kept throwing it at them. And it was interesting to hear like players, current players in real time talking about yeah. what's going on in the NBA today. That, that was really interesting. Hey, Eric, you've been in the broadcasting business for quite some time. You And so you've seen the media side with great analysts. Who may have never played a minute of sports, but are really good at that. Um, I mean, I don't know what your sports career was like, but I think you're really good at bringing just analysis, um, detail. You do great research. What do you feel about former players coming in to do it? Is it helping it, or do you feel like it might hurt it? Because I feel like there's some guys that help it. 
but I feel like guys like Shaq who are just looking for attention really hurt the credibility. What? Ooh, where's your thoughts, Dan? I would agree on Shaq. He was, was on AEW last night. Yeah, he was horrible. Great clip that's floating around. I think I don't know if it was from this Tuesday, if it was just this week, but Candace Parker and Dwayne oh my Wade gosh. were talking oh, about today's yeah, NBA and good. passing around the pick and, and Shaq, roll. And yeah, and the pick and roll. And Shaq's like, oh, 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 did it work? Well, we just we won the championship, didn't we? That's and all he can Candace say. Candace Parker's like going through really, really interesting detail, detail yeah. inf- information like why it's working and why certain teams uh, have a lot of great action that come out of it. And he's like, doesn't even want to try to think about yeah. how that's a because really good question, evolution of the game. He almost challenges Candace. And Candace is like, well, this is the reason why you wouldn't do that because in today's NBA, you have the ability to skip pass from one side of the court to the other. And Shaq's like, yeah, but why? And then Dwayne's like, Shaq, you're not listening. Hey, big guy, I love you, but. And then ir- Shaq ir- just keeps doubling down. Well, did I win the championship? Oh, my God. That's, it's ironic that's the oh. case because I'm reading Three Ring Circus right now, which is the it's supposed to be the story. Basically, it starts when the Lakers acquired Kobe and Shaq's at the same season. And then it goes till I think, after. I think it goes till Shaq's trade. It might go till after they lose to the Pistons. Um, but they they won in spite of each other. Like it's it's well documented. Kobe could not stand Shaq, and Shaq was not serious. And more importantly, to, to go to your original question, I think it's both. Like there, you can tell the athletes who yeah. clearly dedicate themselves. Who want to be it. there? And like JJ Redick is one of those and guys. You, and you appreciate it too, because like the the end of the day, like we can you can watch from the sidelines and not and you know we have very limited playing experience. There's probably interesting perspective we can go. But they did it, so there's always going to be great stuff that they can provide if they do so in the right way. And you, like you said, if they take it serious. Again, there's guys who have maybe not played a lot of sports in their career, but have been really, really good about bringing analysis in. And again, yeah. I go back to Eric, like his research detail, um, you know, he, the way he's able to take thoughts and then bring them on the air and say, this is what I saw, and then bring facts with it is incredible. But then, like, oh, and again, but I go back to a guy like, and I think Kenny Smith's another one who's really good. But then I go back to guys yeah, like lazy well, people like Shaq, who are lazy on the court and more lazy off the court, who just want to come on and just say, hey, I won three rings and two MVP championships. Listen to what I got to say. Well, I mean, certainly Shaquille forward. O'Neal has a certain level of gravitas he can bring with him because he has the MVPs and he has the rings. Yeah. And he can be entertaining and funny. But, but why but can't are, you bring the analysis too, you but know? But there are times when it well, does, if you think it does it, get a little bit lazy. Like, they're doing a segment now where they'll like, who is this guy? And he won't even know their name. Oh, yeah. Well, they will make yeah. fun of Shaq because not, he doesn't no pay name. attention that's, to the game. That's Amen. pathetic. But to answer your question, that's Shaq's game. Shaq's game was never built on technical skill. No. Shaq's game was built on being more yes. dominant physically yeah. than everybody Absolutely. else. That's which is true. probably why he hated Dwight Howard because Dwight Howard never developed any skills. And so, and people were like, oh, he's the next Shaq. And he was not nearly as good because all he could do was dunk. True, true. But I think getting back to your original point, uh, I, I really... I'm with you. I really enjoy those that are in it that can eloquently express to other people who aren't yeah. why things are happening the way that they're happening. Completely I agree. love that. Yeah. Completely stuff. agree. Yeah. And, and even, you know, even with this, from somebody who's been there with coaching or somebody who's been there as a, as a player, because sometimes there's guys who just instinctively know and, and they can play great, but they don't really do a great job of explaining yeah. why. Well, I think a prime example of Tony Romo. 
Like, even Tony Romo will predict the plays before it happens. And I don't think anybody's ever like, man, I wish Tony Romo would shut up and let me watch it. You're like, <laughs> yeah. he is so good. Yeah. He does such a great true, job true. explaining. You feel like you're in the huddle with him. That's a great point. Because I remember when in the AFC Championship game when the Chiefs and Patriots played in, in Arrowhead in that overtime drive. Yeah. And and he's all like, all right, hey, look, you're going to see Edelman right now running under route. You're going to see Gronk run straight. And I'm like, Gronk's not going to run a freaking vertical on a linebacker right now. There's no way on third and 10. What does Gronk do? He runs a vertical on third and 10 over the linebacker, yeah. and Brady yeah. like, puts it right where he needs to. Yeah. And I'm like, good night. This is inc- You're right. It's incredible. Like It it gives you this attention. And Matt Harpering's another guy who on a broadcast, when he's not bantering with Craig Bowlerjack, can actually give you really great analysis on what he's seen on the court. And even even though the give, the game is so much more different from when he was playing, and now he's still really, really, really good at that. Yeah, I mean, Tony Romo was so good he put Jason Witten out of a job. <laughs> they weren't even on the same uh, same broadcast. They weren't even on the same network. No, that's true. Yeah, I and I think that there are there are more opportunities today than ever for these guys to develop a voice to fine tune their craft. Um, doesn't mean that they're all. Right. Sometimes they're on there, and maybe some of them shouldn't be. But uh, I, I appreciate that uh, there are more opportunities for these great players and yeah. people who really understand the game to have a voice, and I appreciate that. In other words, heaven knows we've seen too many broadcasts over the years where we're all scratching our heads, like, why is this guy the yeah. color analyst? Yeah, why is this guy yeah, McBooger, McFarland, or whatever? I cannot understand the thing that he's saying. How about Phil? He Sam? keeps saying the same old <laughs> phrases <laughs> over again. Well, maybe, maybe, the, maybe your point, then, Eric, to your point, maybe the uh, the athletes who weren't the greatest or not necessarily not Hall of Famers, but maybe they are. those are the best because I feel like the ones that are the greatest, like the basketball ones I think especially are bad about it. They kind of already have their own thing, so they just kind of skate through it. Like Shaq, for instance. Like Charles Barkley somewhere in the middle oh, God. because he's Charles crazy, but everybody appreciates yeah. it because he just tells it as it is. Yeah. But, I mean, if you think about it, I feel like the athletes who are – they were good athletes because they were pro athletes, but they weren't like Hall of Famers. Those ones I feel like the ones I'm constantly like, yeah, I'll listen to them. Right. No, I totally agree with that. Like Magic Johnson used to be part of this is way back when he used to be part of the like NBA uh, Today or something yeah, like that. The NBA oh, and yeah. NBC. He was he's awesome. part of the pregame and then he'd be on halftime and then on postgame. Um and there were times where he was pretty good, but then he would uh he would say stuff that's like so so stupidly obvious. <laughs> Like that's not analysis. You're not really telling me anything. Do you- and so eventually like let's find somebody that Yes, can help explain what's going on instead of being, he played really good because he made that shot. Well, yeah. Why? What led to him making that shot? You know who else really, like, who is so good? Um, Chipper Jones, David Rawson, and Booker Skiambi. When they were on together last year during MLB Sunday night or whatever it was, I know they were in their separate areas, but those three together, like David Ross, years of catching, Chipper uh, Jones, who is a Hall of Fame third baseman, and Burger Skiambe, who's come up into the business and has just killed it, I think are like that was one of the best crews I could listen to on and on and on. I really like Smoltz too. I really like how Smoltz he, was good. People didn't like him. I don't know why. I don't know why they don't because I I think that he's all of his years of experience and then as a as a pitcher. I mean, you see, you have to know a lot what's going on around you. So I just I really liked his the way he approaches the game on his broadcast. Here's, here's one for you, fellas. 9463 says, who are some current athletes that would make awesome analysts in the next few years? Oh, boy. Um, 
That's tough. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, and and, and I mean, I'm, de- and I'm not just saying it because he has a great podcast. JJ Reddick's podcast is incredible. I'd buy that. But well, JJ Reddick as an analysis would be unreal. He's got a great story too because he built himself into what he was because he was such a high profile athlete at Duke, and then he was drafted high, and then he was terrible, and he's built himself into this very good role player in the right. NBA. He carved himself a niche. Yeah, he was. I think so, I and think he's been great in him. that role ever since he was with the like Doc. Found him that role. And then Doc yeah. put him in that role, yeah. and then everybody kind of followed it after that. The Sixers, um, the Pelicans are doing that right now, and it's and it's because he's got great leadership. He can still produce for you uh, with points and assists, um, and he's he's an okay defender, but it's just the leadership on the court he brings. He'd be a great I think analyst. I completely agree. Football's a tough one, though. I don't because I feel you don't get to hear them like talk a whole lot. So I don't like it's like okay I think he would be decent but then you, maybe you put a mic in front like I don't know do we think Drew Brees is going to be great I'm honestly kind of worried he's not Drew Brees could be good I if think he, he gives could the be analysis good. yeah I, I think to be able to still maintain what he's doing at his age and I think you have to group Tom Brady in with that as well I think you have to understand the craftiness of the game and so uh, I think that would make for a pretty interesting analyst. I mean, these are both guys that get mics shoved in their face all the time. Sure. So they're not bashful about speaking and understanding what, explaining the game and what's going on around them. Okay, but, so on the football one, how about the fact, because he's, he's hilarious, he's done a lot of TV, how, is Peyton Manning going to eventually transfer? No, he seems I don't like think he Peyton touches it. it. I don't think he does either. Yeah, I don't think he I think touches he that. He's got that whole Peyton's place thing, and that fits like totally suited to him. Like just going out, hanging out with Joe Montana, Brett Favre, whoever, and just having a fun conversation and having a blast on the camera. That is totally his fit. Ooh. I cannot see him on a camera being an analyst. Though. I got one for basketball. How about Chris Paul when he finally hangs it up? You know, that's a guy that's well-traveled. He's been yeah. in a lot of interesting organizations. I'm sure he'd have a lot of crazy stories. He was, he's, was, was or is still the head of the Players Association, He right? is, yeah. still. True. Yeah. True. He'd be uh, good. Yeah, he could be interesting. <laughs> I think you'd want a, kind of a, a a big personality. You don't want it to overshadow the play by play of the game, but somebody who can add the flavor of what's happening, but also when in, when a moment arises, be able to interject an interesting story or sidebar. And Chris Paul, yeah, I can yeah, see that. That's a good one. Zero nine four five text said, "Who's the best Aggie athlete interview you've oh, ever done?" Oh my goodness! Oh, easy. Oh my goodness! Give me yours. Easy, Spencer Nelson. Easy. Why easy? It's Spencer Nelson, and then I don't know after that. Okay, I'll tell you. Because he was, what I just said, interesting, big personality, loves to tell stories. Yeah. Great experience. Um, and he's another good analyst, by the way. Yeah, yes, absolutely. He used to actually be part of the Utah Jazz Radio Network, and it'd be him, Spence Checkets, and Britton Johnson. And Spence told me one time <laughs> he couldn't <laughs> he couldn't do it with Spencer Nilton anymore because Spencer would be like, "All right, you see what they're doing right there? They're actually cornering it." And Spencer and Spence text is like, "Dude, shut up!" I'm like, "Watching the game, man. Shut up. I don't care." <laughs> because but Spencer gets so into it. Nilton gets so into it. He's a great analyst. If we ever could have him back on KVNU doing pregame with Al and Jalen, my freaking gosh, I yeah, that I'd be on that all day. Um. You know who was actually not that great of an interview? It was kind of surprising. Sam Merrill. He's not that great. Huh. Like, opposite of it. He's almost like the opposite of what Spencer Nielsen is. There's not a lot of personality. He kind of, like, gives you okay answers, 
but it's never like, yeah, you know, here's what is, is my exact thought on this. And it, you're like, well, I don't know. Sam Merrill wasn't that great. I'll tell you one that really surprised me, though, when I did that interview with Stu Morrill, because I had heard horror stories of interviewing Stu Morrill. And I actually sat down. I mean, I was like a 20-something minute interview. I think it was supposed to be like 15. And we went for 25, 29 minutes. And I was like, I'm still Coach, super bummed I couldn't be there that day. I'm so sorry. And he goes, I didn't know that was 20. That was the quickest 29 minutes of my life. Let's, <laughs> let's do it again sometime. And, I was, and he was a gem. He had great stories, hilarious, good sense of humor, um, was upfront and honest about you know all that he you know was dealing with as a coach. And I would take Stu Morrill as my, easily my most favorite interview ever that I've done of the Aggies. I haven't interviewed any Aggies. I'm trying. There have been some fun interviews that I've been able to do for football, but I'm trying to. You know he's gonna be really think off the top. Of my Gerald Bright was always fun to interview. Gerald Bright was a blast. Yeah, he was, he was always funny. entertaining. Oh my gosh! And you know what was really good is uh, Jordan Love was actually really good. I know he kind of had a monotone voice, but he was straight up with you with answers. See, Jordan Love to me is like Sam Merrill. Like they're great players. But in the interviews, they just kind of play it safe. With- See, I always feel like Jordan Love was straight up, but like, but I mean, he was monotone, just like Sam. Yeah. But Sam just kind of gave you like the cliche answer. Jordan kind of—I never asked him about the whole Texas Tech transferring rumor, and he was like, "No, I'm not going to Tech. I never would." And I was like, "Huh? All right," because <laughs> he could have easily took the cliche and would have played safe kind of thing. No, he he like word for word, and I was like, oh, "All right." Gosh, I can't remember his name. There was a running back at Utah State. This is years ago. Who got in trouble in the offseason for smoking marijuana. And he was like the featured back. I believe this was under... Is this under Mick Dennehy? I think it was under Mick Dennehy. I was going to say, I think I remember this story. Yeah. And so I, I'm doing the interview. Oh, what was his name? And uh, he's like, I'm like, hey, I bring it up. Just, <laughs> just I, I didn't mean it to go in this direction, but... And just like, you know, you had some off-season troubles. Like, how are things, you know, you're learning from that and moving, getting ready for the season? And uh, his response is like, ah, oh, you know, we're young. We're experimenting. <laughs> it's, you know, blah, blah, no big Definitely deal. not the same answer. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, this, this took a different turn. And, and I shared it with a friend of mine in Salt Lake because I knew he would have some fun with it. And they turned it into a parody song. And uh, I don't know if you were down there at that time or not, AJ, but... Uh, it, it, I'm trying to remember his name. It turned into quite an ordeal. Oh, my gosh. I, I, it was really funny. I didn't intend it to be like that. It's just like, hey, this is kind of a funny <laughs> answer. You guys might get a kick out of this. You know, I actually enjoyed Matt Wells, too. I thought Matt Wells was always up front with you. I don't know about you, because, I mean, we had... and Because it was such a contrasting style of interview pace from Matt Wells to Gary Anderson... Now I heard Gary Anderson the first go round was incredible, like and, yes. and you and and I didn't deal with him then you did. Yep. But like I heard it was just Gary Anderson round one and Gary Anderson round two was night, night and, day and day style. Very different. I mean, very different. To be honest, from an outside perspective, we talked about that agnosium. He he looked like he was just just exhausted. There. Yeah, he, he just he was a different person. Just tired. No, I totally agree with you. Uh, Gary Anderson shows up on the scene. And we're like, wow, this is awesome. This guy's great. He's very media friendly. Like he'll text with you after the interview. And it's like, oh my gosh, you can actually have a conversation with him. You don't have to have this big wall and be totally distant. Um, and it was really interesting. Like he w- he just loved talking football. And he was just a like, big personality that everybody wanted to be around. 
He leaves, people are bummed, but then there's Matt Wells, who through coordinator meetings, I had already developed a bit of a relationship with. And so when he became the head coach, it was like, yeah, this is great. I know Matt. He's he's friendly to us. He was another guy, just loved talking football and was very open, told it very straight. And I, I enjoyed our conversations with, with Matt Wells. Um, and then Gary Anderson comes back thinking, yeah, this okay. This will be fun. Gary's back. And it's like, whoa, this is not the same Gary Anderson. No. And I, I felt I felt really bad. I felt I, bad for the guy. Me too. I went to an Aggie. I went to somebody within the athletics department. And I asked him. I said, "You told me Gary was going to be great. Like, what's going on?" And they said, "We have no idea. We don't know." And uh, and that just kind of kind of blew my mind. And because I remember the first time I met with Gary, like when I met with Matt Wells the first time, it was like high five. How you doing, man? Tell me about you from here. That's awesome. Um, I mean, just wanted to, like, you know, get to know. And, and I don't expect a coach to be like, wrap your arms around you, give you a big hug, and tell you, you know, how much they appreciate you. But at least, like, develop, like, a, a relationship with you based on what you do with them, you know. And, and I, I, like, I don't know how long it took Gary to get my name right or if you ever did get my name because it was either babe or brother. And then, and then, and then finally, like, the one time I did hear him say my name, it was over the press conference when I was asking my defensive backs, and he goes, Hey, Audrey, doesn't everybody look tall to you? And I'm like, oh, look, you got my name. I got to get it right for the zinger. But, I mean, it's, yeah. But it was just different. And I remember I was just so bummed about that. And I, and so, like, having Blake Anderson here. And I've, I've met Blake Anderson twice. And they have been very, very brief, you know, little meetings. Um, But I hope that it's different with him. That there's no ego. That there's, that there's an open door, like what you said, to, from the media to him. Um, not that I expect us, you know, him to text us or anything, but just, hey, you know, let's let's we're here. You know, I love meeting with you guys. Let's, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna tell you how it is. All right, just something to that effect where we don't feel there's a wall and we're walking on eggshells when we walk into a press conference room. That's all I ask for. This is a very interesting first segment that was unplanned. You're welcome. Man, this started because fun. of me. Yeah, this has been good. But well, we do need to take a time out here in the Full Court Press. Love to keep it going. Love to have the uh, more of the participation coming in on the text line, 435-339-0321. Uh, by the way, the last two-minute report is out from the Utah Jazz. It's been very controversial about how the Jazz game finished last night. Um, there's been strong opinions on both sides for how the Jazz players reacted. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, Utah, uh, Utah State, they're preparing for Wyoming Tonight in the Spectrum, we'll give you some of our, our keys, hear from the coach, uh, give you the interesting matchups that are on the line. That's coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Stick around. And also updates on Idaho basketball playoffs, which uh, were underway earlier today. Westside and Preston involved. We'll give you the updates on those games and what's next for the Pirates and the Indians. Coming up next on the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson, AJ Knight here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in on a Thursday, a big Thursday. High school sports, just a quick update yeah. on the Idaho playoffs that are underway in the Boise area. 
Uh, and we've got the scores on cashvalleydaily.com. Uh, but as of uh, right now, we're still waiting on uh, Bear Lake, another team from the area, to see what, what happens for them. But um, it was the, earlier today, Preston, they won their game. It was a close one, but they advanced, so they play tomorrow. I believe that's at 5. And, but Westside, they were facing a team which hadn't lost in like 14 games or whatever. Uh, kept it real close, but then eventually that uh, they pulled away. And so uh, Westside will play tomorrow. They, so the Idaho playoffs, they have a consolation bracket and oh, a winner's bracket. Gotcha. So they're not totally done, uh, but uh, they are in the consolation side of the bracket. They so play Preston tomorrow won, at noon. Westside lost. Correct. They're like they play at five. Tell you what, if nobody beats Preston this year, they ain't going to beat them forever because this is the worst <laughs> Preston team in five years. And they they're win still doing championship. this. Yeah. Jeez. I'm it's impressive. They lost, I think, because I've seen them twice this year. I think in the last was it the last four years they lost a combined I want to say six games on the wow. way to three state championships and a runner up. I think it's insane. Uh, AJ, did you say we got a text? Oh yeah. So five three three eight says I've been watching the football offer wire for the Aggies and have noticed they have extended quite a few offers recently to very highly rated defensive players out of Florida. Thoughts? Any real chance any of those players coming to Utah State? Yes. Ab- yeah. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, look, th- this is a, a coaching staff that had deep experience in Florida. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, one at UCF. That's the kicker. One at Miami. This is a coaching staff that has great connections to Florida. Well, look, Utah State has had success finding great talent out of the state of Florida and bringing them to Logan. So is there a real chance of those players coming to Utah State? Yes. Yeah, I'm with him. I don't he's he no, he's spot on. I don't know what more to say than and he that. took the reason exactly what what it is. You have a Miami DC and a UFC or a UF is it CC, UCF. UCF, UCF, thank you. UCF. UCF OC both here and they were very successful in their respective schools. They can recruit in the state of Florida. They know that state, they know the recruiting uh the, the strategy in. there, what it takes to get kids like that to come to Utah State. Uh, and when you follow Blake Anderson's kind of recruiting model, that's going to be very successful. They've already got a couple of kids. I think they got one kid out of Miami already coming here. It's a transfer, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but that, yeah, they're gonna. There is very legitimate chances of them really doing well in that state and making some noise here in the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, I think so. My understanding of high school recruiting, there's usually about five states. You want Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida, Texas, and California. Usually, players there. This. Usually the hotbeds and, and the players there aren't rated as highly because they usually that's where the top players come from, but they're usually better than their ranking. And Texas is kind of like a Big 12 area, and it's almost like it's their property and no one else is allowed to touch it. I mean, the schools still go in, but I don't think they get as, success, as successful as like Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, such and such. Um, California is that Pac-12 area. The problem is is every big conference is going into that state of California Oregon and just exactly and just raiding the fridge. I mean it's it, it's incredible what they're doing and I still don't think and I mean this with all due respect. I think recruiting in the state of California is somewhat overrated compared to other states. Well, do tell since we're on this expert, I want to hear this. <laughs> you know, why why do you say that? <laughs> I well because you look at how many five-star athletes and I know it's five-star and we we almost, I know Eric kind of like, look, five-star, three-star, whatever, look at Bobby Wagner and look what he's done, right? 
But you look at the amount, like, I think average on five-star athletes, and, I mean, there are some in California. How many of them actually pan out to be great college football players? Meanwhile, in Texas, Florida, Bama, and I'd say even, like, the Midwest, like, Nebraska can bring out by great offensive linemen Ohio, who turn out to be all Ohio Americans. Pen- Pennsylvania, the two. Yeah, Pennsylvania is another I, one too. I would take Georgia as well while we're listing states. Georgia would be huge because Lawrence is there. Fields was from there. I'm trying to think, there's a couple other. They just crank them out. I just I think California, with respect to California athletes, it just seems like it's a little bit overrated compared to other big states. Attention, Blake Anderson. Don't waste your time in California. <laughs> he doesn't need me on my advice. You don't have to take it either. Uh, I think he'll still uh, keep an <laughs> yeah. eye on California. Yeah. Yeah. As he should. He's doing his job. Uh, the, the still a dead period. You can't visit these players yet until after May. Yeah, think, what does that right? have to be they, like, they keep right? Keep extending yeah. it. What, what is it? Because every state surrounding Utah didn't play high school football? Or was most of them? A lot of them didn't. Texas how, didn't, has, right? How do you do that? No, Texas did. It's religion there. They had to. There's no way they didn't. Or I mean, they started late, maybe. Right, here's one for you, AJ, recruiting expert nine three one five. What is the most underrated state to recruit football players? Utah. Utah. No. Uh, Utah does decently it's, well. I like to follow two four sevens rankings. You're you're starting to see more big schools come into Utah to recruit yeah. guys. I agree. Yeah, I asked Gary about that one time. Like, what what is the value of recruiting recruiting in the state of Utah? And uh, and I think he he kind of gave the answer of like, look, there's a lot of good athletes that just aren't getting enough attention because they're not from Texas, Bama, California. Oh, I'm sure that's and true. He, and he said like, if they were living in those other states, they would get that attention. And they're dominating the state state of Utah in football. But they there's I don't know if and he didn't say like coaches in the country, but I feel like maybe coaches outside of the state of Utah feel like well, Utah State or state of Utah football is. Maybe weaker compared to other states, which I don't think is true. I think there's some great football well, teams here, some great you, athletes in the state of Utah. How do you make well. that statement? You very rarely get cross state like football games. So how do you like? Yeah, Utah football. Well, no, I mean to you Texas. do. I mean because you have like those preseason games, like Bingham used to go play teams in Texas, or you had you had um, teams from California either go to California or host a team from yeah, Utah. But, I mean, how often? Yeah. Oh no, you're right. You're right. But I mean, it, I mean, at least once, two, three games a year. You know, from the 6A, 5A state champs. All I know is I looked at 247's rankings. I believe in this football and most recent basketball class, the top player in Utah in football is going to Oregon, and I believe the top player in basketball is going to Kentucky. And when you talk about college football and college basketball, those are two pretty good programs to get recruited to. Blue chippers. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That means something. That's true. Uh, Shifting gears, I want to get to uh, the NBA real quick, Kaj. I just want to get your uh, opinion. I don't know if you got to see the game last night. Because uh, I know you have to sneak out here in a little bit, but the Jazz and the Sixers last night, close game, goes to overtime. Donovan Mitchell gets ejected. Uh, players are hot after the game. Uh, the Sixers end up winning. Uh, did the Jazz have a right? I mean, they were they were hot. They were complaining a lot after the game. We haven't seen what the fines are, but I'm sure there are fines coming for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. So here's the, I got. Three DMs last night. Brock Taylor, AJ, uh, I expect you and Eric to absolutely lose your mind about the Jazz game during hour one of tomorrow's show. <laughs> James Randall, AJ, Eric, if you guys don't get after the refs tomorrow, I'm turning off your show. Got a text. AJ, are you guys going to be talking Jazz basketball? I hope you get after the refs. So, Eric, we got to talk about it, I guess, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> That to me says that AJ was, eh. 
It was all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, um, here's the thing. It's it, I almost make I want to make it a rhetorical question. Is the small market thing like I always thought that was a conspiracy theory. I got to be honest. I always just thought, okay, small market, they don't give a crap what your market size is like. You know, that doesn't matter. But now I'm kind of starting to turn that corner where maybe the market size does matter of a basketball team. Am I crazy? There's a mar- I mean, I mean, Rudy Gobert, you'll hear him, talks about them being a small market team, and that's the reason why they get hosed. I, 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 to flesh that theory out, how about instead, because you know that stars, right, get calls in the NBA because they're stars. What if it's the refs going into it with the same attitude that the media has had, the national media has had towards the Jazz? Ah, they're the number one seed, but they're not that great. Because I got to tell you, in my family, the saying is you don't blame refs for losses because usually the the decision is for one bad call that everybody talks about. There's several other that were missed along the way. There's a whole story there. But I got to tell you, there were multiple bad calls, and that's the problem because the other saying is when refing, when you can pay attention to the refs, they're having a bad game, and it was bad. I I think before we hear from the players, I I think my bigger issue with what happened last night um, is that there was inconsistency. Yes. Uh, that is number one. Number two is I have a growing concern about the Jazz. If they're in clutch, they are struggling to close out a game. Either they blow a team out, or if it's in the clutch, they lose. Um, so this is I mean, they're in the clutch against the Clippers, and they lost. They were in the clutch against the Heat, and they lost. They're in the clutch against the Sixers, and they lost. So this is a growing pattern here of the Jazz. Either they're blowing teams out, or if a team can hang around and keep it close, the Jazz are struggling to close the door. Uh, and, and generally, AJ, or excuse me, AJ, I'm with you. Don't nobody. If you're blaming the refs, you're missing out on all the other things that that you could have or should have done. Yes. In the game, it's just, the, the refs are easy scapegoats often. Yes. But there were a lot of really inconsistent calls. And that's I think that's the thing too. Like, right it wasn't in just front of the one. referees. It was guys multiple. were getting mugged. Conley's layup is a goaltend, by the way. Clear goaltend. Well my I think my biggest problem is Embiid on the first Donovan technical. So he blocks it. I think it's I'm with you. I think it was a foul. Stares him he down. He stands over him. That's a taunt. And then walks off and then all of a sudden Mitchell responds like all right now it's a technical. Like what, what, what? And by the way, and AJ's <laughs> right. Wait, he told me off air. He goes, AJ, by the way, Joel Embiid flopped. I want you to know that. He did, too. He absolutely flopped. Like, I mean, Donovan barely shoves him. And Embiid, like, soccer player, foreign style, flops himself 15 feet backwards and then looks at the ref. And I love when Donovan Mitchell gets ejected and Embiid's trying to, like, help extort him off and, uh, you know, not get in more trouble. I'm like, Embiid, you know, go to hell, dude. Get, get out of there, man. <laughs> you're, like, in the ref's face, like, oh, giving I know. the technical sign. Like, and then he gets you it. You have and then to you're like, him hey, technical. Donovan, I got you. I got you, man. It's okay. Just, you know, head out. I'm like, dude, get off him. Don't touch my guy. I was so angry. Eric, I- I'm just frustrated because it it decided the game. Like, I mean, first of all, when Donovan Mitchell drives on Ben, Ben hooks his arm. That one was It is a clear defensive foul, and they call an offensive foul on Donovan thinking that, they, that he provoked the hook. It's just, I mean, no way. No way is that an offensive foul in any league, in any sport. Yeah, the, it's horrible. The last two minute report says that that Donovan hooked his leg. 
And that's why it was an offensive foul. He never hooked his he leg. He never hooked his leg. Yeah. They got what the do you wrong mean hooking his leg? So what's other, the other frustrating thing is that this was a veteran crew. I mean, two of the guys were veterans. The other guy was young-ish. But like the out-of-bounds play that Royce O'Neal saves the ball from out-of-bounds and goes to Donovan Mitchell and he has a clear path, and the Jazz would go up by seven. Yep. No, excuse me, they go up by five because they were up by three. They would have gone up by five, and it would have really put the game in comfortable control for the Utah Jazz. But they call it out of bounds. They review it, and then they just say, oh, it's still – we got the goal correct. And everybody's looking at the review over and over again. Trying like, to understand how that how is the is case. How is that possible? Yeah, I'm with you. And then you. late in overtime, as the game's almost over, they finally communicate to the TV crew, hey, the reason why they didn't give it to the Jazz is because the ball touched the ref who was out of bounds. Why don't they you communicate just say that? that? Hey, I'm so with you, Eric. That. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it's a big problem. And look, you're going to hear from Rudy and Donovan, and um, they're, they're going to get a fine, and you're going to find out why, and it's well-deserved. But they want to make sure they earned every penny of it, and they do earn every penny of this. Uh, both of them were pretty hot. Both say here from Donovan Mitchell first, his comments after the game about that glorious uh, refing uh, last <laughs> night in Philadelphia. <laughs> Give 76ers credit. They played a hard, hard game. You know, Joel does what he does, and you know, at the end of the day, they're they're a good team. We competed, um, but it's, it's 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 tough, KK. Like it's tough to to go out there and see how we fight and compete, and to have a game like that taken from us. And I'm never, ever one to 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 blame a ref, to blame an official. I could say I, we could have done more, but this this is getting out of hand. You know, there have been games like this that we've won. There have been games like this that we've, we've we've lost, but this whole refereeing stuff and the way we're we're nice, we don't complain, we don't like we don't get frustrated. You know, we fight through things, and the fact that we just continually get get screwed in a way by this, you know, like we we won this game in my personal opinion, you know. But like I said, I'm gonna give them credit; they won, whatever, cool. But like this is it's it's a consistent thing. And, you know, the question is, can we can we do it? Can we sustain it? Are we for real number one? Like, yeah, the hell we are. And it's getting it's getting ridiculous, KK, that this is this is what's happening. You know, what I mean, we have a whole second half of the season to go and get ready for. But like, I'm, I'm sick of it. To be honest with you, we all are, you know, and I think this is something that just. It bite, it, it eats me. It eats at me, man. And it's I don't I don't y'all know what it is. We all know what it is, but it's it's really getting out of hand. It's really, really really getting out of hand and the league needs to do something about this because I want to see the last two minute report I want to see it but yeah, he says he wants to see the last two minute report it's out <laughs> it, it doesn't do the jazz any favors so uh one thing I want to address uh I think it's great to not complain because I hate that I hate that when players whine and whine and whine but the thing is in basketball basketball I think is the the sport Maybe maybe baseball and umpires you might have a claim to it, but I think basketball is a sport where players have the most influence on refs. And so I think complaining actually is, uh, to a certain extent, a fair amount of gamesmanship. And I, I would make the argument, too. I think uh, we'll hear what Rudy is, and I know Ajay talked about him talking about small market. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to go back and look. Is there a transition for players when they start to really come on where they get – kind of the general everyday calls and then the superstar calls? Because maybe that's where Donovan finds himself. Because I don't think anybody necessarily outside of Utah would be like superstar quite yet. I feel like he's ascending there, but maybe he's just not getting him. I, again, I would like to say that the hook I thought was bad. 
the first technical, all the stuff that happened before it. I think if anything, it probably should have been double tees. Uh, they were bad. They were Conley goal bad. Like Conley, you don't see Conley react like that. Honestly, you don't. He's, I mean, the guy's never got a freaking technical in his life. In his NBA career, he's never gotten one. He had, and I wish he would have gotten one yesterday. I honestly do. For the sake of it, I wish he would have gotten one. Well, he, on an inbounds play, right in front of the ref. The ref is like three feet away, two feet away from Donovan Mitchell. Ben Simmons is literally grabbing him. Holding oh, his Donovan. Both, his both arms. And then Donovan eventually fall, gets like pushed to the floor, and the ref's just sitting there doing his five-second count on the inbounds. Yeah. Like, hmm, nothing to see here. Yeah. Move along. Bad. And, and I think for – and Rudy's right, by the way, when you hear from Rudy. You're going to hear about the whole small market situation. But it, it he's more right on the disrespect because LeBron gets that call. Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler – um, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook maybe gets the call. James Harden does. Kyrie Irving does. Kevin Durant does. James Harden is refed completely different than any other player. That's what I think makes this even more ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. So is LeBron James. I mean, now it used to be against him. Now it's for him. It's kind of crazy what happens as you transcend your career to being a superstar. But I just the disrespect for the Utah Jazz that continues to go on. And and and, and maybe Eric and AJ maybe they're just too nice. Is well, that the saying, problem? Complaining is we're, like we're game, too I nice? think it's legitimately gamesmanship. I think uh, it may also be the fact that the Jazz are now the hunted team in the NBA right now. And they need to be aware of what that means night in and night, night out. out. Yes. And this, uh, this, this last East Coast road swing has not been kind to them, and they haven't handled it very well. So uh, I think this is a team that needs to understand, look, it's going to get tougher. Teams know we're the number one team. Number one offense, number one defense, or in the top five of both of those categories, and we're blowing teams out. We have the highest point differential, um, and teams want to knock us off. They're gunning for them every time they face them. Just like you know what the Lakers, LeBron James, everybody's gunning. They're excited to beat the Lakers. Everybody's gunning whenever the yeah. Clippers come into town. Yeah. The Jazz are not used to being in that that stratosphere, and they've got to get comfortable with it and realize. We've got to and not just play great, but we have to play elite. And here's what uh, Rudy Gobert had to say uh, after the game. He was pretty salty as well. <laughs> I mean, every season, to be honest. I think we, you know, uh, as I've been in this league and I've been watching a lot of games, um, you know, I feel like a lot of guys are able to do things that we're not able to do. And, you know, all guys uh, are not able to get some calls that everybody else in the f-ing league gets so we know that with the Utah Jazz and we you know maybe some people don't want to see us you know go as far as I believe that we can go but um, it's disappointing it's disappointing because I believe that I think the Sixers played a great game you know I don't want to you know they are a very good team Uh, you got to give them credit but I believe that we deserve to win that game and you know when my guys are getting far Three times in a row, Mike Conley is going to the rim. They're grabbing him right in front of the officials, and there's no call. And you know, and on, the, on the other side, there's calls that are invisible that are being made. Um, I think it's disrespectful, to be honest, to the game of basketball and to our team. And you know, hopefully they're going to watch the game. Uh, you know, when they get home, we all we all do. I watch it too. But, uh, hopefully they feel ashamed when they watch the game. And, we know that, uh, you know, 
when you're a small market. I don't want to say that, but I, I really believe it. You know, after, after playing in this league for eight years, it's a little harder, and that's one of the things that uh, we got to overcome. That's why I told the guys, you know, when you're a small market, you gotta, you gotta be better than just better. You gotta be, you know, you gotta be elite, and uh, we gotta control what we can control. But it's uh, very disappointing to be disrespected like that. And, I mean, especially for my for my guys, you know that you know, we work so hard. You know, it's, uh, it's the last game of the road trip, and we're in a position to win the game, and they just get disrespected. Uh, and it's not just one play because. You know, we all make mistakes, you know, I, I mean, uh, I have a lot of respect for the officials, you know, I think it's a tough, it's a tough job. I think they, you know, I think they try their best, but, you know, there's just too many, it was too obvious tonight. They can't make it that obvious, you know, and we're going to, we're going to watch film and do all that. We're going to keep getting better, but we just deserve a little more respect, you know, as a team and, and as, as human beings too, for all the work that we put in, you know, and hopefully we we'll get it second half of the season. There's Rudy Gobert. Excuse his French, by the way. <laughs> he was pissed. I'm oh, sorry, not. I can't say that word. He was, he was upset. upset. Excuse your French. I said that one time and I got in trouble. But like, I, 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 I just don't understand why. Anyway, keep saying it. So, anyways, he ain't listening. Um. <laughs> anyways, I just. I understand his frustration. I get it, but I and we can get into this in the in the next part. But there's a lot of things the Jazz did wrong too. I mean, there was a lot of things that the Jazz just did wrong and 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 took themselves out of this ball game as well. True. Uh, real quickly, nine four six three. As Jazz fans, what irks us the most? Joel Embiid, Russell Westbrook, those Lob City Clippers teams, Nikola Jokic. MJ pushed off Russell. I got over MJ a long time ago, and so should everybody say, else. Like it's got to be Jokic, We've all right? moved on. He has on. the most punchable face in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, dude. He's good, don't be right, but the most punchable face. The Love City Clippers didn't really upset me because we had nothing to do with them. I mean, we knocked them out of the first round in seven games, but... I mean... I'd probably uh, say Russell Westbrook. They, I would, Russell they, Westbrook is my guy. They didn't do anything, so who cares? Yeah, exactly. They were a constant That's disappointment. That's exactly right. Yeah, Russell Westbrook would be the one pain in the butt. Uh, we heard the players. What about the coach? Here's Quinn Snyder after the game. Well, you know, the challenge is when you don't get the whistle that you want, um, those things always happen, and it's to play through it and to continue to compete. Um, I thought we did that. Um, obviously, you know, I heard Donovan's comments, and, you know, obviously there, there's a level of frustration uh, that he has, that we have. Uh, and that's something that, you know, presumably you can't control. So, you know, give Philly credit. Embiid hit a big shot, that three. We were on him, um, you know, trying not to give up a three. Um, and then we weren't able to, to close the other way and, you know, overtime got away from us. But uh, we just have to, you know, take break, regroup, and uh, continue to compete. He was a little bit more formal about his answer, but could you imagine like measured. the could you could you imagine like the PR girl coming over there? Hey, just want you to know, Donovan said the bleep word. And Quinn's <laughs> like, word. wow, good for him. Well, when we come back to this, I want to ask you, uh, Eric, about the composure. But like to just revisit it, I agree again. My the saying in my household is big time sports fans. You can't blame refs, uh, and but I think and they shouldn't because I agree. Obviously, the, Embiid had a big game and you got to do something better about that but the, i think the problem is is 
There's one thing when it's a missed call. It's another thing when it's like missed, like bad calls in crucial times. Yeah. Because then and, you feel like the game over again. Over and over again. You feel like the game was taken away. Yeah. All right, got to take a quick break here in the full court press. When we come back, some more thoughts on that. And also coming up, Utah State and Wyoming, big showdown in the spectrum tonight. We'll get you ready for the matchups. The storylines, the keys, and predictions, it's all ahead. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric Franson, Anji Salveson, AJ Knight. By the way, the last two-minute report has the last two minutes of regulation and overtime. And they note, uh, this is according to Eric Walden, who examined it. Uh, six incorrect calls. Only one would have given the Jazz free throws. Uh, it, which makes it even more frustrating. The last two-minute report, is it beneficial? Does it serve a good purpose? Or does it just make you even more frustrated? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Serves a purpose and it upsets me. Wait, so not only six calls, six incorrect calls, but they were only one with free throws? Uh, Only one so. would have helped the Jazz get free throw. They say so. Well, then, you know, sometimes when there's a missed shot and you get to keep possession, that's also kind of a big deal, I'm just going to say. But yeah. what do I know? Hey, uh, we got to do pick six here real quick because Ajay's got to sneak out for the last hour. But uh, let's get to it real quickly. We don't have a lot of time. So number one for me, Donovan Mitchell points in the All-Star game on Sunday, 12 and a half. Under. Over. He's going to make a statement. I'm going to go over. Okay, who wins Friday, Nevada or Colorado State? Ooh. Colorado State. Is that at Colorado State? No, it's at Nevada. It's at Nevada. Ooh. Right now, it's an even pick. Is nah, it really? Nah, yes. they're done. Colorado State. I'm going to go with Nevada, just because you guys did that. Uh, Fresno <laughs> State strategy. made three-pointers against the Aggies on Saturday, seven and a half. Over. Uh, under. I'm going to go under. Good for you guys. They're kind of shooting out of their mind against Boise. That's uncharacteristic. Okay, Ajay, you're three? Uh, Utah State's record after two games. So the two games, they go 1-1, 0-2, 2-0. 2-0. 4-0. Boise suffers another loss. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say 2-0. <laughs> I'm going to say 2-0. I about said 1-1. One one. That was really good, by the oh, way. Oh, don't do that. No split talk around here. Uh all right. Oh. <laughs> Shame on you. Love uh, Raleigh, Raleigh Wooster minutes tonight. I'm going to go 11 and a half. No, sorry. I don't, it's, it's up. Uh, let's go 15 and a half on Raleigh Wooster minutes. Tonight versus Wyoming? Yes. Wait, sorry. how many? 11 and a half? 15 and a half. 15 and a half. Under. Uh, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under. I debated that one forever. And then Keta. Oh, no, sorry. Who has more rebounds, Bean or Keta? Ooh. Keta. Keta. Both you guys are going with Keta? Yeah. yeah. I'll take Keta. Uh, me too, because they've, they've got a freshman under there that's contending with the thing. He's going to eat alive. Yeah, eat his lunch. All right, AJ. Uh, anybody else got any extra ones? I will. I will abstain courteously if anybody else has some interesting ones. Um. Look, so let's go. Uh, Michigan. Michigan State. Wait, what is that tonight? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, Michigan by fifteen and a half over under. Where's that game at? Michigan. Michigan. 
I'm going over, I by the way. Because Michigan State's played really well, but Michigan got absolutely thumped by Illinois the other day. I'm going over. Sir, would you sit the line at? 15 and a half. Under. Rivalry game. Wow. Michigan by 15 and a half? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take the under. Wow, really? Ooh, you know what? I got one. Okay. Uh, what would you take, AJ? I took over. Okay, what would you do? AJ did under. Under. Rivalry game. Okay. Um, Let's do... Uh, 30 seconds. Brock Miller made threes. Uh, Let's go f- four and a half. Ooh, I like that one. I'm going to go under. Clank City, under. What did you say, AJ? Under. I'm going to go the over. AJ? Under. Okay, last one. AJ. Oh. Uh, uh, there's no spread. <laughs> there's no spread. Purdue over Indiana, six and a half. Over. They're going to smash them. IU season's over. I'm going over. It's at Purdue. Purdue by six and a half? Yeah. And what'd you take? Over and over. All right, I'll go under. <laughs> the Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson, AJ Knight. Tanjay had to sneak out. He's got uh, other plans, other He's got duties a game tonight. To jinx. Yes, Jinxy. <laughs> I was not ready for that, by the way. <laughs> uh, hey, before we get into uh, carry over the discussion from last hour and, and preview Utah State and Wyoming tonight, I, I'm a little blown away by this Les Miles story. <laughs> he like snuck it in at the end too. Like, oh, by the way, oh, by he, the way, uh, he did something he wasn't supposed to. It's like what? Well, how long? How long has it been since he hasn't been at LSU? It's got to be. It's been at least three, three seasons, if not four. four because We're it, just so last now getting year, this the report in the year before, I think. Yeah, that's weird. I don't understand. Like, why? Why? Why would? Why isn't this information available at while he was there, and like at least immediately after? It's been years. So, like. Because they said what? They found out to what? The, the school covered it up then? Is that what it implied? Or maybe there was just something, because it alleged inappropriate behaviors is something where someone finally came forward. But even so, why would it take them? Like, he was he was gone. So you would think once he was gone, if it was the case of someone finally coming forward, that that would have happened already. So here's the, here's the headline. The LSU internal investigation found Les Miles had inappropriate behavior with female student workers in 2013. Right. It was revealed today. <laughs> Eight years later. Why? What's the delay? Why was, yeah. Because he went, the other thing is, we all know he wasn't fired because of that. He's fired because he couldn't beat Alabama. LSU did the internal investigation themselves. It was led by a law firm on behalf of LSU. And uh, in, in the uh, Les Miles' attorney released a statement saying that this should put an end to the baseless, inaccurate media reports that Coach Les Miles engaged in inappropriate touching of an athletic department student volunteer eight years ago. Did you hear of that before? Was that a thing before? I don't feel like I ever heard about that. Coach Miles learned an unfortunate lesson eight years ago. His naturally open and trusting nature exposes him to false claims by people with a different agenda than his. Well, wait, wait. That statement doesn't make sense because they found him. He had inappropriate relations. So, I guess but it wasn't. 
It wasn't inappropriate. Touch, so, like, it wasn't not, like it was mutual. It sounds like touching and it's confusing. The, I, I don't understand how made the, them feel uncomfortable. Took them to their condos alone. He texted female students on one occasion, kissing a student and suggesting they go to a hotel after telling her he could help her career. That's part of the investigation. That was the allegation. I don't understand. I still don't understand why the lawyer's spiking the ball on this one. <laughs> I know. It's like. What? I don't think you got a dub on this one, buddy. Why is that's yeah? Are we just doing this now because Les Miles is like, hey, you got to do this because it's you got to look into this because I don't think it's fair. That that's eight, weird. Eight years. I just curious of the timing. It's just. I weird. mean, if if his record at Kansas didn't convince you that you should hire him, <laughs> then there's this. Weird. Um, last hour we were talking about. The Utah Jazz. Players are hot. Yes. After the game. Very hot. Quinn Snyder. Super salty. Was also standing up for his guys, but in a more measured approach. Um, in fact, uh, here's, here's what uh, Quinn had to say about Donovan's comments specifically uh, after the game. I think Donovan, you know, felt um, that there were a number of situations when he was driving the ball. Mike was attacking, you know, that's what, you know, we've talked about trying to do and, you know, to be able to play through contact, you know, I, I think it, it gets to a point when, you know, you, you feel like where you, what you're doing defensively and what you're doing offensively um, are being perceived two different ways. And that's essentially what he was trying to express. Um, you know, we know that, you know, as, as we're trying to, to improve, and beat some of the best teams in the league that, you know, we've always got work to do. Um, but there is obviously a level of frustration with the things that you can't control. So um, there were several different national pundits kind of rushing to Utah's defense saying this is kind of silly. But there have also been other hosts of national pundits saying the Jazz are acting like crybabies here. <laughs> so... I mean, we talked about So here's a text message came in. So uh, 5760 texted, said, I think the Jazz were mad at the calls last night, but even bigger than that, I think it was just the tipping point of what they feel they have been refed as for the whole season. Part of that is probably because they're the number one team, but don't get the respect of a number one team. So <laughs> I could see about the way we talked about a lot. Like in my, in my family, again, you don't complain about the refs, but when they're crunch time and it's consistently bad, like multiple bad crunch time calls – I think you're allowed to point out this is bad. And the players seem to think, Jazz, uh, Mitchell and Gobert seem to think that throughout the season that it's just been inconsistent, uh, inconsistently called for them. My question for you is you raised an interesting point when we first got into this and you said that there's a pattern developing in crunch time the Jazz have not performed well. Does this reflect the calls last night, even though we agree they're bad, and that reflect on their composure of a potential championship team. Because you got to have mental toughness, yeah. and they seem to be tested in the games and then in this and not passing at the moment. No, it's true. That is a concern of mine that, that over the last uh, few weeks here, when if a team can keep it close with the Jazz, the Jazz are having a hard time closing the door um, against the Clippers. In L.A., when they were at full strength, close game, in the clutch, the Clippers eventually pull away. In Miami, 
they were full strength, close game, in the clutch, the Heat pull away. At Philadelphia, full strength team, close game, goes to overtime, in the clutch, the Sixers pull away. So I'm a little concerned that the Jazz um, are maybe getting a little frazzled. Uh, And I think that, uh, to be honest, I'm probably okay with how they're feeling right now because they're going to come back with a break uh, after the the All-Star break, right. feeling like we've got work to do. We've got a chip on our shoulder. We're disrespected. we got to go out and prove something. Yes. Uh, if they went through this this uh, you know, this know East Coast road swing and they beat everybody, well, we may be feeling like, hey, yeah, this team looks great. They're playing the best basketball. They're the number one team. Why aren't they given more respect? Uh, but I, I think this is a team that needs to look inside and themselves and say, we've got to figure out we gotta get, we got to toughen up because everybody's gunning for us every night. We're the number one team. Everybody wants to say that they knocked off the number one team. So I, I think they do need to improve their composure here. Easier said than done. Right. Certainly for us on the outside. Yeah. But uh, the Jazz have to be – I think they have to be a little bit careful about how they approach, how they handle Utah Jazz basketball after what happened last night. I think it's interesting because you find them in this weird dynamic, I feel like, where, like you said, I think the teams are gunning for them because they've just absolutely obliterated opponents. But at the same time, nationally, people aren't respecting them in terms of a title threat. And and that's one of those things where I wish you could be a fly on the wall and hear what like the other top teams, what the LeBrons and the, and the Kawhis think about the Jazz as a whole. That would be really interesting to find out because they find themselves in these weird dynamics. But I think, um, I mean, I think it's true of every sport. In the playoffs... People, the refs swallow the whistles. So you may have another game like what happened last Hopefully it's not as egregious. It may just be as physical, but it may happen like last night. And you can't let the game slip and then be like, look, the refs cost us. At the end of the day, that, that excuse just ain't going to fly. Right. I totally agree. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I left out New Orleans. That was another game. They were at full strength. Game was close. Yep. In the clutch, the Pelicans won. Um, so... Yeah, the Jazz have to re- recognize that. Look, that was that was like a playoff basketball game. It was physical. You're not going to get calls that go your way. You have to figure out how to play through it, make your adjustments. And it looked like they were. I mean, they, they got a five point lead. They it was kind of a back and forth, and they started making shots and pulled away and had this little bit of a cushion. And then a few things didn't go their way. And Bede hits this crazy shot. Looks like you saved the ball out of bounds. It goes against you. So some things kind of work. We're working against the Jazz, and they look. Donovan made some some questionable passes, some questionable shots. Mike Connolly as well. Uh, they tried to do a lob to Rudy. It didn't get there right. So the Jazz didn't really help themselves either with some of their shot selections when it got tight. And that's something they've got to learn how to play through because there are going to be more games like that. No, I completely agree. I think that's that's like I said. That's ultimately why uh, I think you can you can be upset, and I'm with the Jazz on being upset because I thought there were some egregious calls. A five three seven four texted in. We talked about this earlier. Said the reviewed play where Roy saved the ball and threw it to Mitchell was ridiculous. Call stood when clearly review showed it would not have. Uh, and I think you can be upset about him, but I think at the end of the day, you also got to realize we didn't play a perfect game. Like there are probably things the Jazz could have done where this would have mitigated the impact those bad calls would have had. Yeah, or, or at least uh, the league has to do a better job of of communication with its officiating crews. Yeah. Explaining why are we calling things the way that we're calling things. 
Yes. And I don't know that that would necessarily clear the air. I mean, the last two-minute report is more of a newer-ish thing that's been around for a few years. Um, I don't know that it necessarily uh, encourages anybody, uh, but at least it's the league saying, look, we're, we're going to take a look at what how games are being officiated when it comes down to close games. We're going to take another look at it and see if we got it right or if we got it wrong. It's upsetting when they get it wrong, sure, but at least they're communicating that they're looking at it. And in the moment, as a passionate fan, you're going to see things through a certain lens. But at least they're they're communicating to some degree. I think they can do a lot better job, though, of communicating uh, why things are going the way they're going. Even on the review last night with the inbounds, tell us that it touched the ref. They never said that until right. late, late. Meanwhile, everybody's like spitting mad. Like, how could you miss that call? And you reviewed it and looked at it. What are you looking at? And now, it took them yeah. into overtime to communicate to the TV crew, oh, by the way, <laughs> the reason that we called it, Le- let it stand. Passed down. They're really upset on Twitter. we got to come up with an explanation. Like, oh, my word. So, do you think... I don't know. Do you think... Because obviously, they're, they're Gobert and, and Mitchell are going to get fined. Do you think it'll change? I think specifically with... Uh, Mitchell, because Gobert, I think, is very talented. Obviously, he's a defensive player of the year, I think, every year. But it, it, I think his lack of flashiness is going to cost him in terms of the foul department. But Mitchell's a rising star. Do you think that outbreak or outburst will change how they're at least refed initially post-All-Star break? That's a good question. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Mark Cuban used to be famous for railing on the referees for years. Yeah. And I felt like... Uh, referees got tired of it and punished his teams because of it. And they seem to be more ticky-tack against the, the, the Mavericks than saying, you know what, I think you're right for calling me out over and over again. But I think that he did force some conversations that did create some changes with, with the NBA. Um, an owner barking is a little bit different than a player. Especially or even a coach. This is so rare for... Mitchell and Gobert. It's not like they do this all the time. Yes. Yeah, even that, on the true. court, not even just in post game. Even on the court, I don't feel like you see them really get too animated about calls. So I feel like that would hammer home the like legitimacy of like, look, this is ridiculous. Yeah, will it change? I don't know. But the Jazz have to internally play like the refs don't matter. Yeah, easier said than done. But really, the game should come down to: Did you play the game in a way that the refs? didn't matter. Don't make it about the don't leave the game in their hands. Don't make a referee decide the game. Uh shifting topics 9474 with a novel here. I yeah, I just finished it finally. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to this. <laughs> uh which actually kind of is a bit of a segue and kind of connects our conversation. Yes. Uh Eric, I had this typed up from yesterday after AJ asked for my opinion in 2787's opinion. Never send it because the show ended for the uh, Jazz game. It's we were talking about you know, Boise State, <laughs> whining and complaining about how the Mountain West wasn't really seemed to have their back and it was a Mountain West's fault and they can never claim personal responsibility. Yeah. It's always somebody else's fault. Yeah, they, you know, they had Boise State had no control over the game with Fresno. Right. They nope. were doomed from the start. Mountain West's uh, fault for scheduling the game. They did not play 40 minutes. Right. Uh, so anyway, uh, Ajay, we knew we have some noted Boise State fans who communicate with us here on the on the full court press. 
through the text line, and 9474 is one of them. Uh, continuing, I understand the hate for Boise from USU fans. We're rivals. That's how it works. That's why I love sports, because we can all express our thoughts and feelings and still enjoy each other. That being said, I have a, an opinion on Boise thinking they should have, in air quotes, special treatment from the Mountain West. In life, people, teams, employees, etc., who have excelled over an extremely long time and bring the most to a sport, league, company, etc., get more liberties than others. Look at LeBron to the NBA, the money the Cowboys bring to the NFL, uh, not much success on the field, and Alabama to the NCAA. Like it or not, that is how Boise is with the Mountain West. Even if it is only in football, football is the money sport, the one that gets the nation fired up and brings national attention to the Mountain West. Fair or not, uh, Boise runs the conference because of that. Just like LeBron runs the NBA and the Cowboys control a ton in the NFL. So, I agree with the premise. Like, because I, I thought about this a lot. Because I saw the tweets last night uh, or this week, and I specifically, as not a per se Aggie fan coming from the outside, really went hard after the Boise State because I can't, I couldn't stand what they were saying. But I thought about this a lot as an outsider. So when you think about the Mountain West as someone outside the footprint, Boise State is who you think of, and I think they're thought of in a similar vein as the Pac-12. And I think they think of themselves that way. And they've had the success. Don't get me wrong. They've warranted it. They've gone to the what now is the New Year's Six. They play Power Five conferences. They beat them. They're a very good program. That being said, the longer I've been around it, the more I get that you guys kind of are spoiled by it. Not so much that you didn't earn success, but you guys kind of expect things to come along with it. And sure, there's probably special treatment because Boise's the uh, the breadwinner in terms of football or whatever in the Mountain West. But at the same time, like you earn that. You, you earn that. So when you say we get special treatment, it kind of degrades your argument. I, I agree. It, what I think is funny is that um, I, I don't necessarily equate success in football with getting special treatment in other sports. Right. Uh, do they get special treatment from the Mountain West with football? Yes. With scheduling, with flat out. They get more money than anybody else in the Mountain West. It is in ink. The Boise State gets a better deal, special treatment from the Mountain West. It's in ink. It's part of a contract. They do. It's indisputable. Uh, for That's for football. Just because they get special treatment for football, I don't think that should and, and does equate to, quote-unquote, special treatment to other sports. San Diego State, they're the bell ringer for basketball. You are correct. New Mexico has had times. Nevada has had times when they're at the top, but consistently it's San Diego State. But Boise State, they get in this little bubble and echo chamber where they think they're so special in everything that they do that because football usually stands apart from the other schools and uh, that they think because of that special treatment, they should also get special treatment elsewhere. I agree. I I liked your and take. It, I, don't, I don't think it works that way. No, I liked your take last week. You and Ajay were talking about the makeup games that were scheduled, and I think somebody texted in and, and said, is the Mountain West favoring its top two teams? Talking about Boise State and San Diego State, because they only had one makeup game, and Colorado State and Utah State had two, and you said, yes, I completely agree. I'm sorry. Fresno State, one, is not great. You had one game. You had plenty of time. And look, depending on which bracket you look at, Boise State was not a lock. 
So acting like it was some conspiracy theory to knock you out, you kind of needed the help. <laughs> they scheduled a sub-200 net ranking team for you. And then, yeah, and then they're like, oh, the Mountain, and that's what I keep seeing is the Mountain West didn't have anything to benefit, didn't have anything to benefit. They made it as easy as possible. You were scheduled to play this game. They didn't pull it out of thin air. I it just it's so baffling. The whining and complaining. <laughs> so it's so on brand for Boise State. I, so at two seven eight seven texted said you can't say Boise does not earn it. AJ they just don't show up and win. Yes they expect to win, but the reason they win is because they work hard and earn it. I didn't say that they didn't win. I said as an outside person that's Boise State's who I associate with the Mountain West, who I think of. And I think that they have earned the respect of football. However, I do think it starts to get tarnished when you win and then you demand special privileges go along with it because you got you won. You earned it, but then you start whining when it doesn't go your way. It demeans everything you did before. And this basketball thing, I think, is a prime issue of a bigger attitude towards that university. The longer I've lived in Utah, the more I've experienced. <laughs> Look, I'm a Purdue Boilermaker. I can, I can equate it to you. I texted a friend. I'm a Purdue Boilermaker fan. When everyone thinks Indiana basketball, the school you think of for basketball is Indiana. Indiana. Last time Indiana was really good, they won a national championship, I believe, in 1986 or 88. We make fun of Nebraska Cornhusker football fans because they were really good in the 90s. But Indiana basketball fans think that they can talk trash all the time. My buddy got in an argument with an Indiana fan yesterday because the IU fan said that IU has to drag Purdue into national relevance. IU hadn't beaten Purdue in eight straight games. It hadn't been close. But that's the attitude. That's what I'm talking about. You start thinking you're better, and all of a sudden you slip, and you're like, well, banners, banners. <laughs> that argument fades real quick. Win. Well, and Leon Rice habitually falters late in the season and in the tournament. Every, I mean, look at the. the you right on schedule. Then. I didn't have to put it together. Their own Boise State beat writer put it together. It is a pattern. Start strong, fade late. Start strong, fade late. Start strong, fade late. It's, I, I love the argument that the Mountain West hosed them when San Diego State played. They played tonight. And they didn't, San Diego State got to go to UNLV. That's not an easy game. Utah State, maybe to get the toughest opponents, they got two. I hate the Saturday night schedule. I completely agree with you guys. Colorado State's got two. They're playing Nevada. That's not an easy opponent either. No. So out of all of that, what I heard myself say was Boise State got the easiest opponent, and then they whined that they lost. <laughs> the Mountain West's fault. But it's Mountain West's fault. The Boise yeah. State had no control over the 40 minutes that was played on the court in Boise State. A lot of texts coming through. Uh, some are mingled with Jazz. Others about this topic. Uh, one, five, three, four. The NBA doesn't want the Jazz in the finals. Not enough money in that compared to other teams. Utah's a small market, but how do you make it a bigger market when you eject the superstar? True. Makes it hard. I, I, mean, I don't know that I don't know if Donovan's a superstar, but I, I, don't I think get what you're I don't saying. Think but the NBA ought to catch the, the, the thing that ought to help the Jazz is pairing Donovan's ejection with Devin Booker's ejection. I can't stand Booker, but I have no idea what happened in that game. Right. That's and uh that's what has some people really kind of baffled here. What what is the NBA doing? Um, six eight nine one. People will call the Jazz crybabies because they're not a superstar team. They're not there yet. Uh, regular season is nice, but it's what you do in the postseason. I mean, that's what it is. At the end of the day, unfortunately, the Jazz they could win every game from now until the end of the regular season. People are still going to say, "Well, Atlanta Hawks, Atlanta Hawks, Toronto Raptors." Tell you when in the postseason, nobody cares. Yep. No, it's true. 
9315, is there things like this with officiating in the NBA happening in officiating in college basketball games? I don't remember when, but I know, I think Colin Cowherd actually looked at it a few years ago, but home home cooking's a real thing in college basketball. At least it was, because I know he said in the Big Ten, I think last year was a good example of it too. It's tough to win on the road, in the Big Ten specifically, and fouls, fouls is a big part of it. They've looked at it and examined it. Like Home cooking is a thing in, in Big Ten basketball, at least, and I'd imagine it's probably similar, that there's pretty a pretty reasonable, favorable percentage for home teams. I, I think that there, are, there can be crews, especially head officials, that when you see them, you know this is the type of game you're going to get. Yeah. Like, this guy, he lets a lot go. Yeah. For this guy, he loves his whistle and letting everybody know who he is and where he is on the court at all times. Uh, So I think there are officials that have been in in the league for a while. You kind of get that uh, that sense. I agree. Uh, But could there be better uh, communication uh, from any official at any level? Yes. Uh, Officials and those who are over officials feel like, look, our, our officials are infallible. Whatever they say goes, it can never be questioned ever. And to some degree, you have to hold them to a high standard that these are trained professionals. You have to respect their call. Right. Once it's called, right. unless there is a, a, a mechanism for them to review and overturn it, it is what it is. But it, it does get frustrating when you see things going one way for one team and not going the same way. For the other, if, if there's inconsistency, yeah, that's where that. people will blow their mind. Consistency to me is the big word. I, like I watched a game earlier this week, and a buddy texted me, and he was whining about how many times the fouls were being called. And I said, the thing is, though, they're calling it the same way both times. The other thing to watch out too, that specifically with basketball, that uh, really bugs me is when people whine about a foul disparity when it's a driving team versus a jump shooting team. Good point. And they make their, and then they're like, "Look at how many fouls they're calling." Well, it's different. They're initiating contact. Of course, they're going to draw more fouls. A totally great point. Great point. Greg Smith's teams like to drive to the hoop and force the issue. Yes. And force defenses to make tough decisions, and sometimes that gets the the Aggies on the free throw line and shooting more free throws than their opponents do. You're right. If you're a stand up jump shooting team. You're Very not going to get the same it. level of Very calls as the team that attacks the basket exactly. all the time. Yeah. But yeah, the biggest word, and Eric said it multiple times already this afternoon, it's consistency. I, like It could it could drive you crazy if it's a ref who wants to make sure everybody knows he's a ref, but as long as he calls it the same way both ways, you live with it. Right, then you live with it. All right, 8968. Unfortunately, with the Utah Jazz and Utah State Aggies, if you're going to rely on the referees to win games for you, you're not going to win many. Amen. You, you play the game. Like the refs don't matter. Uh, two seven eight seven. You can't say Boise does not earn it, AJ. They just don't show up and win. <laughs> okay. I yes, they expect to win, but the reason that they win is because they work hard and earn it. I just yes, I think they're in football. In football, yes. In basketball, this year they had a chance to prove it. San Diego State's been kind of considered the class. There's been some jostling Boise and Utah State. They had two chances at it. They couldn't do it. Then they folded against Fresno. Again, I think they've earned it in football. I think they're a solid school in terms of athletics. But I think when you get spoiled, you start to think a little bit bigger than your britches are. That's all I'm saying. Uh, 9474 follows up a lengthy text with another one. I didn't say they shouldn't win easy games. Of course they should and should be embarrassed that they couldn't win. I was saying that when you are the best at something again, I'll use LeBron, 
Right or not, you develop a sense of entitlement. You think LeBron only expects exceptional treatment from the NBA. Um, I'll guarantee that because he is who he is, he thinks he is entitled to exceptional treatment everywhere, everywhere he goes and in everything he does, even if it is not deserved. I agree with you, what you said about it being a joke, but I was saying why I think it happens. You know, it's funny. So this is nitpicking, and you're probably going to hate this, 9474. But LeBron James, he's been anointed the chosen one. From all understanding, like LeBron James is a hard worker everywhere and one of the nicest guys. Like That's one of the things my dad and I talk about because on the MJ LeBron move, uh, greatest of all time, we don't budge. But like one of the things that no one can ever say about LeBron, he doesn't have off-the-court controversy. He's a stand-up guy, and you don't get to say that about a lot of stars. But the entitlement, <laughs> sure... But the problem is you can have that and expect a little special treatment. It's when you start demanding changes specifically for you. I think it's where we're getting off track here and you're losing us. It, this may be a little bit of a stretch to this as well, but it, LeBron James has a new movie coming out. Are we to expect that he will feel entitled that it should be in an Oscar discussion? <laughs> yeah, fair. No. The, the movie is Space Jam, by the way. A new legacy. He even called it a new legacy. No. That's a shot at Jordan. Uh, 2603, last point on this. We'll take a break and get to the Aggie talk. But the refs come under more microscope than the game is closer. I think that is more Donovan. Completely agree. That's true. Completely agree. Yes. When they're in more crunch time, obviously they're going to pay more attention. and uh, you Everything feel is like magnified. Game, yeah, you feel like the game, has, there was more impact on the game. Totally agree. Great segment. Love the text coming through. Feel free to keep them coming. 435-339-0321 here on the Full Court Press. Coming up next, we'll hear from Coach Craig Smith, Utah State, with a big showdown against the Cowboys tonight in the Spectrum. Remember, uh, pregame coverage starting on our sister station, KVNU, at 630. Al Lewis, Jalen Moore, great analysis, breaking it down. Uh, the history and what's on the line in this one starting at 630 on KVNU. And then as soon as the game is over on FS1, Turn your radio back on, pull up the KVNU mobile app, and hear Al, Jalen, and John Russell uh, break it down as to what happened in the spectrum tonight. Also want to let you know, Best of Northern Utah, presented by Thermo Fisher, is going on. Only a few days left before uh, the nominations end. So uh, you can only be voted on if you're nominated first. So go to bestofnorthernutah.com and uh, vote for, or nominate, I should say, nominate the businesses that you love for what they do. If you think that somebody really goes above and beyond in what they do, the service or their product, make sure you nominate them. Bestofnorthernutah.com, presented by Thermal Fisher. Nominations open until Tuesday. Uh, so uh, we've had, what did I hear, over 700 businesses nominated so far. Incredible. Keep it going. Still a few days left to go. Uh, Bestofnorthernutah.com. The Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric Franson, AJ Knight, here on the Full Court Press. Boy, great conversations on the text line today. 435-339-0321. Aggies preparing for the Cowboys tonight. Um, I I think I've got a sneaky suspicion 
the Utah State Aggies are going to be very motivated tonight. Well, if there's one thing you could, I mean, there's probably a lot of things you say about Craig Smith, you know, sharp haircut, really <laughs> nice guy. Very sharp haircut. <laughs> this time of year, all he does is win. And and Utah State's playing for, for something. I mean, so I, was, I just pulled this up. So Lenardi's got them as the third team in the first four out. So they've moved up, but they are still, they got work to do. They do. They do have work to do, and I think that was motivating them. And I think that they're also – they felt like they should have played. Uh, that, that series should have happened as it was scheduled right. against Wyoming just a few weeks ago. That. that there really wasn't a verifiable good reason for the Cowboys to make the trip to Logan. Um, and that would have been a good time. They had lost, I mean, they, the Wyoming had played at San Diego State and Colorado State, so obviously two of the best teams, but they were they were not playing well. They did beat Nevada before that, but interesting stretch. I mean, this is interesting for them too. Wyoming hadn't played since uh, they hadn't played since February nineteenth. It's almost two solid weeks. Dang, they've been off for a minute. Um, before that series got canceled, here are some uh, Craig Smith talking about what they did before Utah State, um, and uh, what they did before that series got canceled. That's a great question, Coach. We did. Um, you know, our game on against Fresno got um, postponed, I guess you would say, the day of as we were on the bus ride to shoot-around. We came home that night. We were off Sunday. Um, we watched – we did a film session on Wyoming on Monday, and we walked through their stuff, and, and we did our normal first game because we were supposed to play them Wednesday, Friday. So we did our normal two-day – before the game routine and and we had about i don't know 20 to 30 minutes left to practice and john hartwell walked in and and let us let me know that um due to covid protocols that we that wyoming um was did not did not feel comfortable playing us so we finished up the practice let our guys know and then we you know the next day we just worked on us and I guess, uh, I mean, then the next few days we started working on us and as we moved into the Boise State week. Utah State players were healthy. No COVID among the players. The coaches were healthy. No COVID issues among the coaches. There was a trainer who had, uh, who had COVID, um, didn't make the trip, um, it got uh, you know wasn't a part of some things uh, with the with the Fresno situation. Wyoming decided not to come to Logan, so yeah. the the coach and the players they're they were upset about it. So they're going to be very motivated tonight uh, to take it out on Wyoming. That this game should have happened. This series should have happened as it was as it was scheduled. Now, I remember you and you and AJ talking about it, and I think I completely agree with you guys that there was it, it was. One of those situations where a lack of kind of set guidelines, Wyoming looks looks, I'll say looks, looks to have exploited. And and it's interesting too, uh Ajay and I on our podcast got to interview uh Eli Becker from heatcheckcbb.com. And I was I asked him point blank, I said, How big this was before um or right after the Boise games, and I asked him, How big are those three games that Utah State had canceled or postponed, whatever they're gonna do with them, because Granted, in the net rankings, which I think you have up and you give us a background on, Fresno and Wyoming aren't great. And he said they're huge because in a in a power five conf- in a non power five conference, especially this year without the tournaments, what 
the uh, people making the brackets are looking at, they want to see you run the win total up. And he said, 17 and 6 looks a lot better than 14 and 6. And so I, I'm with you. I bet, bet they play mad tonight. Yes. I mean, you, you try to want to get to 20. Like, yeah. 20 is kind of the, the magic, magic number. number. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right now in the net rankings, as of today, San Diego State's a 19. Even though they beat UNLV last night and secured the Mountain West regular season title, right? they actually dropped a little bit in the net rankings. Uh, Colorado State is 40. Boise State is 44. Utah State is 47. Uh, coming in tonight, you, uh, Wyoming is at 185, and Fresno State is at 186. So those are two teams Utah State's facing next. Um, by the way, Boise State, they are the only team in the top 50 in the net rankings with a quad four loss, which that, that's not good. Courtesy of Fresno State earlier this week. Ooh. Uh, this Wyoming team, not to be overlooked, uh, Jay, I think that the AJ, sorry, no <laughs> the, the Aggies are going to be motivated. Uh, I think they're going to be a bit salty because they felt like the series should have been played as normal. But this is a Wyoming team that has shooters, they love to shoot. Uh, they lead the conference in total three-pointers, and they rank number 32 in the nation with three-point shooting. Craig Smith's aware of that. He knows that's got to be a key emphasis for his team defensively tonight. Not that I can recall. Uh, Northern Iowa shoots a lot of threes, or at least they did when they had A.J. Green. Obviously, he, he's been out most of the year. I don't think he played a game after we did. and Of course, he's a top 50 to 100 player in the country. I'm not. I don't think anybody that shot this many. So, and that's that's Jeff's style. You know, Jeff Linder. Like I said right away, it's been a long time friend. And of course, coming from Northern Colorado, you know, every year, each Division One team, except for this year with COVID, but has allowed the opportunity to play two scrimmages, two two close scrimmages, two exhibition games, or one of each. And we've always chosen chosen to play one exhibition game and have one close scrimmage. In our first two years at Utah State, we we played Northern Colorado because, because they're very well coached. They put you in a lot of tough situations. They're very disciplined. And you find out you find out quickly like what some strengths are, that you have, what areas that you really got to get better at. And and I think they always wanted to play us because hopefully we do the same and help them out. And so even though he's new and we haven't played Wyoming yet, a lot of guys have some familiarity with that style of play, although obviously they're very different players from Northern Colorado. So um, so there are some things. And, of course, Northern Colorado, we played um, in a makeup game when we were shut down, and they do run some of the same things uh, that um, Wyoming runs as well. A lot of shooters, a lot of guys that can score points uh, and uh, fill up a box score. Uh, you know, primarily, you know, they've uh, Marcus Williams, uh, about 16 points a game, ranking sixth in the conference. He's a freshman. Yeah, they're a young team. Uh, yeah, they are a young team. Uh, the top six amongst freshmen in scoring in the nation uh, that Williams is um, for assists per game. Uh, they do have some experience, though, from Hunter Maldonado. It's a name that Aggie fans have seen before. He's had some good games against the Aggies, uh, averages about 12 a game. Uh, leads the team in rebounds at uh, a little over six and a half. Uh, he's seventh overall in the conference, uh, but he's also uh, he doesn't just rebound the one score. He also shares the ball with about four and a half assists per game. 
uh, third in the conference. So they've got some good all-around players that they're facing. Um, but when when Wyoming gets going, that's the thing. They like to score points. If the Aggies defensively can keep this team in the low 70s, they're going to win. Uh, this Either they are scoring in the upper 70s and the low 80s, or they're 70 or lower. Uh, and when they're 70 or lower, they're they're losing. And look at their most of the games uh, that they've lost, they've struggled offensively to get things going. Uh, but they do have the ability to start lighting it up from three and scoring a lot of points. This is a team with nothing to lose. Like, yeah, well, I think, Seeding doesn't matter. No. NCAA tournament doesn't matter. No. They're just happy to play the, the Fresno State role and come in and play spoiler. That's what I'm thinking. Well, that's why, I mean, I, I think that's what's interesting, too, about Craig Smith talking, talking about the familiarity with this coach and the system. I think that's really interesting. Um, you touched on the emotions probably because of the potentially trying to skate out of this series that it, Utah State seems to feel like Wyoming did. Um but yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, that one of the things that I think stands out to me is the, and I know it obviously hasn't changed. I don't think anybody's heights has changed really throughout the season. But I think if you're going to stop them on the perimeter, one of the things I think Utah State has really good of, you know, you talk about obviously the post defense Cade a lot, but they have a lot of length. They have a lot of length on the perimeter. They have big guards. Yeah, and they have a lot of different guys who can score. Multiple guys that will uh, get into double figures on you if you're not careful. Um, and that's uh, one of the things that is a little bit concerning for Coach Smith is uh, that they can come at you from different spots, and particularly with that guard play. Well, they can score the ball, and obviously, you know, they really came on in the conference tournament. Um, I think they're the first 11 seed um, to to win, and they won two games, upsetting Colorado State and Nevada. And I watched that game this morning, and uh, it was a heck of a game. It was a tie game with four and a half minutes to go. Um, or 4:45, and then we were able to to make a run on them. But you know, the, and that's what this that's what this team does. And obviously, they're a different team. You know, with Williams getting all those minutes, and and Ike and and um, Ducell and Dr- Drake Jeffries is another guy that really shoots it, and he played well against New Mexico um, their last two games. So, and he's a dead three. I mean, he 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 can shoot it from anywhere, and it's not surprising when those guys shoot it from. You know, 23 when they're shooting NBA three. So um, they can get it going. And anytime, you know, they when you shoot 28 and a half threes a game, obviously you're very confident in shooting the ball and, and they do a good job. They space the floor very, very well. And you just, and they all four of those guys can handle. So you just got to really be on point um, with what you're trying to do from a defensive game plan. And they're a team of runs and they're going to put big runs on teams um, as we've seen throughout the year. Yeah, uh, Marcus Williams averaging about 16 points a game. Uh, Quain uh, Marble, over 10 points a game. Hunter Maldonado, over 12. Uh, Graham Ike, he's just under 10. Uh, Xavier Ducell, 8.7. But he's had it's like six or seven games this year where he's been up into double figures and can uh, and beat you. But you're right, they do have some size. Uh, I, I was... Just to clarify, so the, the, I think the guard plays a good way to attack the post if you want to try and get Caden Falcho. I was talking about Aggie's size on the perimeter. Oh, sorry. sorry. My bad. Clar- no, clarification on my part. But they do, uh, I mean, uh, Marble is 6'6", guard. Uh, Xavier Ducell 6'4". Hunter Maldonado is at the guard position. He's 6'7". Yeah. And he crashes the boards and gets a lot of rebounds. So uh, there, there are some size 
kind of comparable size issues, I think, when you look at Utah State and uh, and Wyoming. And one of the key matchups could be Brock Miller and uh, and Williams. And we'll hear Coach Smith talk about that a little bit. Um, we saw Raleigh Worcester return to the lineup. How was he doing? What kind of impact could he have in this series coming up? More from Coach Smith about Utah State and Wyoming coming up next right here on the Full Court Press. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and AJ Knight here on the Full Court Press. 435-339-0321. Some great texts today. Very active text line. Yes. Thank you. 9315 adds to the text coming in. What's the biggest threat to USU from Wyoming tonight? And what is USU's biggest threat to Wyoming? Well, I think USU's biggest threat from Wyoming have to be the three ball, right? They crank them up. So if just well, for whatever reason, if tonight they're going to hit 55% of them because they're on, I mean that I mean that can make up a lot it could be a blowout it could just change it like I mean you look at the three I think last night's gave a bad example cuz Philly won but I think the Jazz made what nine or was it 13 more three pointers I think than Philly last night I mean Embiid is just insane but I I would say that if they get hot then it's kind of hard to knock them off their game Yeah I I would be I'm similar I think that um Utah State has to be aware of what Fresno did to Boise Coming in, nothing to lose. Uh, yeah. Historically a bad, not historically, but this season, one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. And all of a sudden, they just start bombing it from three. Boise didn't have an answer for it. Eventually, they figured it out um, and uh, started to get some things going for them. And then they co- they themselves collapsed at the end and allowed Fresno to steal it. But Utah State has to be careful about that because this is a team with nothing to lose in the Cowboys. Now, on the flip side, what is USU's biggest threat to Wyoming? I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. Namiish Keta. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's they're, in, they're he's throwing in the a freshman six. into the post who's only started like five or six games. Yeah. Uh, he was in our pick six for a reason. <laughs> uh, Graham Ike, he just he's a freshman from Colorado. Decent player. He's only six foot nine, but he hasn't contended with a guy like Neiman. No, 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 no. So hey, I think hey, that's a big key. Plus, uh, I'll get the jinx out of the way now. Craig Smith is 5-0 and against Wyoming. so That's always helpful. <laughs> uh, one of the questions uh, tonight about Raleigh Worcester. He'd been out for a little while. We did see him Since in the, game two. It was two. the Fresno game, right? The second Fresno game? Right. Um, and uh, we, we, uh, we saw him in limited action against Nevada, and uh, Craig Smith provided an update on his status. And if uh, what we're going to see and how long, how much of him we'll, we'll see. Well, he feels good, and that's a great sign. You know, he didn't do anything live going into that Nevada game, and and we just kind of, I mean, obviously we tested him and did what we needed to do that way. Um, but he went in there and he felt good the whole time. Played 14 minutes, and um, and he looked good. He looked sharp. You know, that's hard to do when you're out as long as he was. But I thought he looked sharp, and I thought he had a good rhythm to him. And um, and uh, and and we anticipate him playing again tomorrow. Another guy that we've been uh, mindful of, keeping an eye on, is Brock Miller. He's had a, a bad back for certain games. Uh, he's had to wear a back brace, and he's been a little bit tight. And his shot hasn't been as quite on point. Uh, so Coach Smith provided an update on him. And also, just kind of 
if we've mentioned him before, but he mentions him again, this Marcus Williams from Wyoming, definitely a guy the Aggies are going to be keying on defensively. Yeah, so Brock uh, is, is day by day. Um, we'll just see what happens tomorrow. And I know you guys get sick of that answer, but it's, a, it's that's where it's at. And um, and Marcus Williams, I mean, he that dude is a talented, talented guy. And, uh, you know, 87 assists, 64 turnovers, 59 points a game, 15.9 points a game, you know, 25 steals. 105 free throw attempts, 34% from the from the three makes, you know, about 1.7 threes a game and shooting 45% from the field. So he does it all. He's a dynamic playmaker is what I would describe him as. And that's what great guards do. They can they can score it at all three levels. He's got unlimited range. He's very confident and uh, and he's an excellent decision maker. So you got a guy like that, and he's a strong, powerful guy. You know, when you got a guy like that playing the point, you know, 32 point, 32 and a half minutes a game as a true freshman, that's not easy to do. So um, he creates a lot of plays um, for his team. So whether it's for himself or setting other people up, uh, he's really come on the scene in a major way. So uh, just a few moments left here in the show, AJ, I, from – from your perspective for the Aggies, what are the, some of the bigger things that have to happen tonight for Utah State to secure the win? I would think control the pace, control the boards. The last thing you want, because that's a big thing with three-point shooting, three shooting is long rebounds makes it a little bit easier sometimes to get those offensive rebounds. And, you know, unless they're just not on, usually the, the saying would be the more you shoot, more likely one's going to go in. I would say control the pace and control the boards. Great point, and that's uh, I think that's a big reason why Hunter Maldonado is is uh, up there in the rebounding categories because of those long rebounds yeah. that yes. come out to him, and uh, they're they're hunting for those. Utah State does have a size advantage and does do a, a really good job of crashing the boards, and they're they're better than anybody in the Mountain West in grabbing rebounds. And I think that is another one of those keys uh, for me as well: eliminate second chance opportunities, yep. be mindful of the long rebounds, um, and. That that perimeter defense has to be on point. Wyoming has to feel like they can't really contend with Keta, so they have to try to beat the Aggies from I outside. Agree. So uh, that the guard play has to be on point today. I think if you can make another thing too, uh, I think that was what uh, Cleveland did against Steph Curry, just for a comparison or put it in your mind. For that Williams kid, since he's playing so many minutes, make him work on defense. Make him work on defense. It's going to be a lot harder for him to exert so much effort on offense. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, I think having Raleigh uh, available and just what the the emergence of Max Shulga, uh, I really like Utah State's guard play yep. right now where they're at. Marco Anthony, um, it, it maybe maybe this is an opportunity for uh, Barstow to come in and try to prove himself a little bit more uh, that he deserves more time. But I, I think this really comes down to the guard play. Uh, on both sides, it's going to determine the game. I agree. I think Keta's going to feast in the paint. Yes, but how the Utah State guards do defensively, and how well, how much they make Wyoming's guards work defensively, could be a big factor tonight. Yeah, because I think it's only. I really think it's only one of two outcomes: either it's a close Wyoming win or a Utah State blowout. Don't forget pregame coverage on KVNU starting at six thirty. Tip off at seven thirty on FS1. See you everybody.